Um, today's scripture reading comes from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 11 through 22. Again, that's Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 11. Um, I'll give you a few moments to pick that up on your uh, phone or flip to it in your Bibles. The passage will also be um, shown on the screen. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God the Spirit. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, thank you for having me on this Sunday morning. It is indeed a privilege to be able to stand before you and to speak God's word. Uh, if you don't mind, let us pray. God, we are excited to be here today. We're excited to be in, in your presence, God. We I pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us, that your Holy Spirit will guide us. Uh, Lord, speak through me. Use me as your vessel on this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the scripture has been read, and so I want to jump right into the sermon, and I want to title it, We Are Family. We Are Family. In the 1970s, our country had gone through a a time of turmoil and distress. We're talking about in the 60s, we lost Dr. Martin Luther King, Robert uh, Kennedy. Uh, we, the nation was trying to move to a, a better place. And, and it's hard when you're trying to move forward and there's still trauma, there's still stress and distress that's happening in the nation. Music as many of you know, it's the sound of people trying to put feelings and pain uh, to a rhythmic beat, to musical notes and melodies. This pain and trauma can be said in a different type of way. In particular, in the black community, sometimes this sound is articulated over 
music, this pain, this this trauma, this stress is articulated over music. Sometimes it's articulated uh, in a song. It's articulated in a in a dance. It's articulated several different ways. And I recall um, hearing this this music, hearing this music that has this kind of disco uh, beat to it. It is the seventies, and so this kind of beat that would make you get up and dance in the seventies, where there's so much stress and so much pain, and people are dealing with loss. And we hear this sound from a group called the Sister Sledge. They have this this music, this 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 song called "We Are Family." The hook is rather catchy. It's rather groovy. It, it makes you move. It makes you get up. Matter of fact, they invite you to get up. They they will say something like this, and some of you may know the song. They will say, "We are family." I got my sisters with me. Can you imagine them singing this in this time period where there's so much stress, there's so much trauma, there's so much pain, and they're still calling out to one another saying that we are family. Whether you're from the rural South, whether you you are from the the Midwest, whether you're from the big city in in New York City, uh, they still are singing this. And this song was catchy. And people all across the nation were able to stand up and all that they were going through and groove and dance and show this type of joy and resiliency and saying that we are family. We are family. I got my sisters with me. You begin to hear it. You begin to listen to this catchy hook. And you begin to sing it. We are family. I got my sisters with me. Then someone uh, towards the end said something like that. We are family. I got my brothers and sisters with me. And at the end of this, they were saying something like this. Come on, everybody, sing. And so they give this type of invitation to, to those who are listening to this song that we are families. We are brothers and sisters. We are family. We want everybody to sing. We are family, that we are here together. We are family family and they would sing this catchy phrase and how people would begin to dance and how people would begin to groove to this song and they began to sing it to one another. We are family. I got my brothers and my sisters with me. We are family. Come on everybody sing. We are family. Get up and sing. Get up and groove to this. I know the stress that you're dealing with. I know the pain that you're going through but I want you to continue to sing this over and and over and over again until it gets down deep into your soul to where you don't worry about the things that's going on around you because you know you have family. We are family. I got my brothers and sisters with me. I believe this is what Paul is calling us to when he's writing this this letter to the Ephesian church, he's calling us to understand that we are family. 
that, that we are in this together. Paul is writing to us, and I believe in this text, we see that Christ is the great equalizer. In this text, I believe we see that Christ is the great equalizer. Paul is trying to make sure that the church understands that the church cannot fall to pieces. The church cannot falter. The church has to stand together. The church has to be the church as if the church is uh, in this time. He's trying to hold them together. Can you imagine a church being somewhat similar to uh, people who play Jenga? And if you're playing Jenga, you know you have different wood pieces and the wood pieces built all the way up to the top and you begin to slide pieces away from that. And sometimes the piece, the jingle, jingle uh, game teeters and totters because pieces from it is being pulled away. Thing that holds us together, the thing that keeps us together, that corner piece, the thing that holds us together, that keeps us standing is Jesus Christ. And so Paul is calling us to understand that we may teeter-totter, but if you pull Christ away from us, the whole thing falls to pieces. Christ is pulled away. Our churches fall to pieces. When Christ is pulled away, everything falls to pieces. When Christ pulls away from us, or when we pull Christ away from our churches, our churches fall to pieces. And that's the reason why I believe that you have seen sometimes churches being articulated or articulated themselves in different ways when we do not preach Christ. And so here we are in this text and Paul is writing about Christ and how Christ pulls us together, how Christ is this great equalizer, how Christ makes everything coming to everyone at one time. It's all about Jesus Christ that's pulling us together. Christ shows us in this text, he shows us a bridge, a bridge that pulls all of God's people together. Bridges are amazing. It's amazing the way bridges are engineered. It's amazing the way bridges help us get from one place to another, how it connects us from one landmass to another. Here we see this in this text, that there's not a big or small person in the family of Christ. Paul reminds us of this, that I don't care where you come from, whether you have a Jewish heritage or if you are a Gentile, when Jesus died on the cross, he pulls us all together. He makes us all one. It does not matter your background. It does not matter what you look like. If you are a part of the Christian family, then we are all in this family together. Truth of the matter is, in our own individual families, we have people that we uh, don't want to sometimes associate, associate ourselves with, but we know that we are all family. I know that sometimes we stress over uh, holidays when we have to figure out how we're going to maneuver different uh, conversations with our aunties or our aunts and our uncles and our cousins. And sometimes we don't really care for them because they do things that we don't even understand. And sometimes we wonder if we actually share the same DNA because we don't even act alike. We don't even sound alike. But at the end of the day, you know that that's your family. 
And I believe this is what Paul is getting at in this text. That regardless of who you are in Christ Jesus, you have to realize that we are all a part of the Christian family. I hope that we hear that on this Sunday morning. After all that we've seen this last week, what we are seeing right now, we need to understand that we are all a part of the Christian family. This is what Christ does for us. He builds that bridge that it doesn't it does not separate us, but it calls us together. It brings us together. It allows us to cross paths that we may not ever cross, but we can cross that path because we know that we have one thing in common. If we don't have anything else in common, maybe we don't speak the same language. Maybe we don't look alike. Maybe our hair is a little bit different. It has different color and different texture, different style. But one thing that we can talk about is Jesus Christ. As believers, we can talk about Jesus Christ. We can talk about how he healed our body. We can talk about how he's turned our life around. We can talk about how he has been there to offer peace to us when we needed peace. We can talk about Jesus. Paul reminds us in this text that Jesus is the one who is the bridge builder. He's the one that allows us to come together. He reminds us in this text that we are one. We are one. Isn't that something that we need to hear in this particular time, in this particular moment, in this particular season in America? We, we need to hear that we, we are one. I believe that every Christian church needs to understand that regardless of your denomination, your background, your bishop, your leadership, whether you believe in women preachers or not, at the end of the day, as Christians, we need to understand we are one. This is what Paul is getting at. Whether people are uneducated or educated, whether people are black, white, it, it does not matter. We are one. What pulls us together, once again, is that Christ is the center of everything that we do. Without Christ, here's it is. Here, here it is again, like that Jenga game. We all fall to pieces. We all fall down without Christ. Paul is reminding the church that we are one. No matter where you come from, if you are a Christian, you are a part of the family. We are family. We are one with different backgrounds and different tastes, with, with a lot of differences, but we are still one in Christ Jesus. Christ is the big, it is the bridge builder who is able, watch this, to break barriers. So we, uh, all right, we, we get excited about Christ because uh, we, we ought to know that Christ is the one that uh, breaks glass ceilings. Christ is the one that breaks barriers. He breaks barriers. He does this with his work on the cross. He tears down walls on the cross. The great theologian, Jürgen Moltmann, uh, he says this, that everything starts and ends, or everything begins and ends 
at the cross. Is that my church, my church tradition? We were saying this, and maybe you sang this song, but I can hear one of the older uh, members of my church would open up and say, it's at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. It's here at the cross where Christ breaks down barriers. He begins to bring the Jews and the Gentiles together. And we hear Paul talk about this a lot in his writing. He talks about how people come from different backgrounds but are joined together by the cross. The cross is the thing that breaks down walls, that breaks down barriers, that allows us to be this family that I've talked about in the beginning of this sermon. He does this work on the cross so that Gentiles like myself and maybe like some of you will have the right to the tree of life will be able to obtain everything that God wants us to obtain. He does this in his work on the cross. He tears down walls. He gives, the cross gives all people an opportunity to be a part of his family. Does this work on the cross? It's here. Well, we see him united and we hear this over and over in the gospel, how he begins to talk about there are some that know my voice and there's others that I cannot count that are also a part of this fold. He does this work at the cross. The beauty of what Jesus does for us does not do it for one group. He does not do it for a group that has money. He does not do it for a group that's educated. He does not do it for a group that has power. But he dies on the cross. He dies on the cross for me. He, he, he dies on the cross for you. He dies on the cross for every sinful person in this world. And that is one thing that brings us together. And we cannot stand as Christians. We cannot preach God's word. We cannot preach his gospel with, with, with power and conviction if we don't stand at the foot of the cross. Paul reminds us of, this, of his love, of his care by going back to the cross. He, he understands that this is the central to the gospel message that we cannot be one if Jesus does not do the work on the cross. Break down barriers at the cross. He, he, he allows us to come together because of his work. Not only does he do this on the cross, Christ holds the family together. Watch this is the latter part of this passage of scripture. He begins to talk about how he's the cornerstone. And maybe you 
are familiar with this, where one, one a writer says that he's the chief cornerstone, right? He's the cornerstone. The cornerstone literally means at the tip of the angle. It refers to the capstone or a binding stone that holds the structure together. Once again, Christ is that person that holds us together. He's the glue that holds the family together. He is the cornerstone. And Paul understood this because he knew that this thing could fall to pieces if it was not for Christ. The Jews would feel some type of way. The Gentiles would feel some type of way. Some people would feel like they're less than. Others would feel like they're, they have it all together and they should be the one that receives all of these different things because they are closer to Jesus than other folks are closer to him. And Paul says, it's at the cross and Jesus is the one that holds us all together. He holds the family together. Maybe you didn't have a person in your family that was able to hold your family together. But let me tell you, I had someone in my family that was able to keep us together and hold us strong. Jesus is that person that holds the Christian family together. He's that cornerstone. The cornerstone is a vital part of the foundation of the church. We cannot have a church if we do not preach Jesus Christ. We cannot have a church if we do not understand the work of Jesus Christ. We cannot have a church if we do not understand how important Jesus is to the church. And the church begins to fall to pieces when we forget about the work of Jesus Christ. Yes, we have social issues that are happening. Yes, we have stress that's happening in our nation today. Yes, we have a lot of different things that are happening in our churches, but the church has to be the church. And the only way the church is going to be the church is that we have to go back to our cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. He's the cornerstone. He's a very important stone that holds this building together, that holds the foundation together. He's the glue for broken people. Many times you We'll hear this when people are trying to deal with the things that are happening in this world, trying to deal with the fact that we've had over 200,000 people to die of a a, 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 a a virus, coronavirus or COVID-19. We, we've had so many people to contract this uh, COVID-19 and made many people sick. We have fires that are happening in the western states and hurricanes that are happening in the southern states in the Gulf Coast. We are trying to figure out, and you'll hear people say this, well, we are living in a broken world, and we are all broken people, and that is true. We are living in a broken world, and we are all broken people, but we can praise God today because we have Jesus and Christ being that cornerstone, that glue all of the brokenness together, and he calls us to glorify him through the preaching of the gospel. He's that person. He's that cornerstone that holds us together. He's the great equalizer. Without him, we have no church. I know that you've heard me say this, but I just want to make sure that you get this, that Jesus is so vital to everything that we do, that without Jesus Christ, where would we be? How 
would we continue on? How could we have power without Jesus Christ? He's the one that's keeping us together. He's the cornerstone. Paul writes this towards the end of this passage that was read into your hearing, that he is the foundation, that nothing can, can grow without Jesus being at the corner. Nothing can move without Jesus being at the corner and being that foundational piece. Nothing can do, uh, nothing can have the power that needs to have the power in the church without Jesus functioning as that cornerstone. Maybe you haven't seen the cornerstone, but I've had the opportunity to work in a church that was building a new church. And that as they built the church, we had a special stone called the cornerstone that had a certain inscription on it so that people could see that this uh, was the cornerstone of the church and that there was an important stone. And, and matter of fact, we put artifacts or, or we put a capstone in the cornerstone so that if anything ever happened to the building, they could pull out this cornerstone and know why the church was built and who built the church and what was important for the church at that time. And God is saying that Christ is that cornerstone that when people walk by us as members of the church that they should know why we are a part of Christ's family. They should know why we preach the gospel. They should know why we live the way we live. They should know why we can call people from different backgrounds and different races family. They should know that by looking at our lives because they can see that we are a part of Jesus Christ's church. We are family. I got my brothers and sisters with me. We, we are family. Come on, everybody sing. And I believe the more that we do that, the more that we understand that we come from diverse places, but Jesus Christ being that cornerstone that holds us together, the most important piece, that most vital piece that holds us together we will know why we are here. We will know why we're here. Uh, we, we are here not to just uh, talk to one another. We are here not because we speak the same language. We are here not because we have the same background, but we are here because Jesus calls us together and he calls us to work as one. As a little boy, I, I'm reminded that some of my fondest memories is being in the kitchen with my mom. And my mom would cook uh, different things. And it's something about uh, Southern women that would go into the kitchen and, and, and cook. It's something about them and how they had a love, um, how they showed love through their cooking. And I recall my mom um, cooking cakes and she, she could bake a cake. And she would put the different ingredients in the bowl, she would put eggs in the bowl, put butter in the bowl, put sugar in the bowl, vanilla in the bowl. She would uh, put uh, uh, water in the bowl and she would uh, mix after putting all the flour in the bowl. And sometimes it depends on what type of cake she was making, she was making that she would have to sift the flour to make sure that the flour was good before uh, actually uh, putting the what we call wet ingredients in the bowl. She would put all of these different things in the bowl. And, and I would sit there and watch her. And then she would mix. Sometimes she was mixing with her hands. Sometimes she would use an electric mixer. Uh, she would put it all in the bowl. And when it was all done, she would throw it in a pan. 
and put the pan in the oven and allow the, the oven to, to cook what was put into the pan. And when it came out, then you had a nice, sweet, scrumptious cake. It was and always has been delectable. Can you imagine all those ingredients coming together? All those ingredients coming together to form this cake. Cake is good when it's all together, when it's put in heat and form this cake. But each individual ingredient that makes the cake doesn't taste good. Taste of eggs, raw eggs, by themselves, not a good taste. Taste of just vanilla by itself, not a good taste. Have you ever tried to eat flour by itself? Maybe you are a, a sweets person, you really like sugar, but to me it's hard to just eat sugar by itself. But when you bring all of those pieces together, when you bring all of those ingredients together, when you begin to mix those ingredients together, and, and when you begin to make sure that they are blended well, put into some heat, then you have the cake that you want. Maybe God is saying, in the middle of this, this, this society that has put us in a, I think, a furnace, put the church into a furnace, that he's calling us all together. Black people and white people and Latinx and, and Japanese and Chinese and Taiwanese and, and, and Brazilian. He's calling us all together. Italian. He's calling us all together. Australian. He's calling us all together. He's, he's putting us together with, with the heat that we are hearing outside of our physical spaces. That he's calling us all together to be the light, to be the salt of the world. He's calling us all together to be the church that he's called us to be. I believe when we are the church that he's called us to be, that love would go forth, the gospel would go forth, the power of God would go forth and draw others to Christ. Thank you so much for allowing me to share on this Sunday morning. I hope something I've said that will help someone on their journey. Always remember that we are the family. And I hope that I got my brothers and my sisters with me. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for blessing us. We thank you for uh, always reminding us that we are here together. And that your, your son, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for us, uh, did a mighty work. Jesus is the greatest equalizer. Jesus makes us all equal. He calls us together to be one. God, help us to be one. Help us to be the light. Help us to be 
the church that you called us to be. God, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that we will be reminded. We will be reminded of your works on the cross. How you did it, not for one group, but you did it for all of us. That's what you've called us to do and to remember as a church. God, we thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.